This week, a young wife with deep-seated daddy issues is forced to pay for her past by an abusive and hypocritical husband. But in the end, they both pay the price. Welcome to My Crazy Divorce. failure as a husband, I'm a failure as a man. It's just, I'm beautiful and I'm bright and I deserve better. It's a great day, I'm feeling good, oh, the possibilities of what I could, oh, doing the world at my fingertips, my imagination brings a smile up to my lips, oh. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of My Crazy Divorce. I'm your host, Tom Milligan. If you've listened to other episodes, you know that our early guests were mostly my online friends that agreed to be on the show to help us get started. Since then, some of you have applied to be on the show, so we're meeting new friends and we're hearing new stories. But this week's guest is sort of a hybrid, because she's one of my oldest friends, who texted me late one night a few weeks ago to let me know that she and her husband Chris had found our show, and they were, quote, laughing their butts off. Which I love to hear, of course. She half-jokingly said her divorce story from her first husband, Dale, would make a great episode. So we set a time to redo the interview, and, well, here we are. Of course, she was able to text me because she has my number. For the rest of you, if you enjoy the show and have a crazy divorce story, please pause the show right now and go to MyCrazyDivorce.com and click on the Apply to Be a Guest button so we can get your interview scheduled ASAP. Now, I can't wait to tell you Jenny's crazy divorce story and, of course, my small role in her story, but as always, I have to remind you that I'm not an attorney, so nothing in this podcast is even close to legal advice. I'm not a therapist either, so please contact a licensed and qualified professional if you find yourself in a crappy marriage or a crazy divorce. Now, if you like our show, the best thing you can do to help is to take two seconds right now and give us a five-star rating on whatever app you're using to listen to us. That really helps get the word out. Also, the next best thing you can do is just share this podcast with a friend. Ratings and sharings are what makes podcasts grow, so thanks to all of you for what you've done so far. So let's get into it by learning a little bit about Jenny. Born in Springville, Utah, and I have six siblings, five older brothers, an older sister, and then a younger sister. And I'm seven years apart from my older sister and six from my younger so I'm kind of like an only child floating in there somewhere. So me and my younger sister actually were kind of a separate family in some ways. Oh, I forgot. Since Jenny was raised in Utah, you'll be hearing some references and phrases you may not be familiar with unless you've listened to episode 7, Missionary Isn't Always Boring, where our guest, also named Jenny, introduced our listeners to a lot of that culture. If you need to have a refresher on Mormon buzzwords, you'll want to listen to that episode first. I'll wait. Okay, now that everyone is Mormon buzzword compliant, we can keep moving with Jenny's story. My parents, after 27 years of marriage, announced that they were getting a divorce. And I think everybody, not just the family members, like everybody, friends, everybody was like, what? I'd never heard them fight. I had no idea that there was anything wrong. Jenny was 11. That's a tough age but it seems like a really bad time to add divorce into the mix. Remember, her next oldest sibling was now 18. That's a huge difference. My dad married pretty quick after that, and 
he stayed in Springville so I could ride my bike and see him whenever I wanted, which was good because I was close with him. Jenny and her dad have a special bond that goes beyond Jenny being a daddy's girl. Part of that is because they're both really into horses, so they bonded over that. In part because her dad was so close geographically, life was pretty good, despite the divorce. I mean, just normal childhood, really happy childhood, with the exception of the divorce, which made me say, never, ever in my life will I ever divorce. Just from my experience, I, I thought that there's... I, I would not put my children through that. I'll just put it that way. Because of divorced parents, many make a solemn promise to never divorce. And if you think Jenny was able to keep that promise, just look at the name of the show. So her parents are divorced, but life is still okay. My mom remarried about a year after that. And he was from Salt Lake, which is an hour away. And... So we were going to sell our house and move there, buy a house, move there. That did not make me happy at all. I was very, very sad and very, very scared to leave a place that pretty much the only place I remember, obviously, and the friends I had. I was kind of a little bit of a nerd, and because I was shy, I did have a, a good, solid group of friends, but I didn't want to go leave that. I didn't want, want to leave my dad. I didn't want to leave the horses. I didn't want to leave anything. And so I think I kind of started off not liking my stepdad anyway. Well, that sucks. Not only does mom move Jenny away from her friends and her dad, but now she has to live with her stepdad. That's a double whammy for sure. But what choice does she really have? I mean, she's like 13. So Jenny moves to Bountiful, a city just north of Salt Lake City, my hometown. And a few years go by, and Jenny's adjusted to the distance between her and her dad. She's made new friends, and other than overly strict parents, she has a pretty good life. Then one Sunday afternoon, the family goes for an afternoon walk. It was July of 1986, and I was riding my bike on Bountiful Boulevard, which runs up against golf course. And this car pulls up, and it's got these guys in it, and... I go over and and Tom's like, talks to me for a minute and then says, hey, can I get your number? And I said, well, you can get my number, but I can't date until I'm 16. And that doesn't happen until September. Yeah, that's right. My friends and I were playing hooky from church. We saw this really cute girl riding her bike, so we stopped and said hello. And yeah, I asked for her number. I gave you the phone number, never really even thought about it ever again because I didn't really think you'd call. Plus it was like so far out, you know. And then you called me in November. And when you reminded me of the situation, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. I was a little nervous. Jenny and I went to see Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat on that first date in November. We had a great time, not gonna lie. I think it was right around Christmas where it started to become like, I really don't wanna go out with anybody else and we were starting to see each other quite a bit. Yeah, we got pretty serious pretty quick. And even though I was almost 19 and she just turned 16, we were really good together. Now, since she was still in high school, we went to a couple of her school dances. I've posted some of our dance pictures on the video version of this episode on YouTube and on social media. Frankly, I think we were pretty damn cute together. But just one week before our first date, I had submitted the paperwork to serve a two-year Mormon mission. So we both knew going in that it was either going to be a pretty short romance or there would be a two-year break in the relationship. I think we both thought it was the latter. 
you got your mission call, of course, and I was already going to be sad. I was really sad about that. I mean, I wanted you to go, but I, I, I was writing in my journal. And I said, I finally found somebody who's good, and now he's going to leave for two years. <laughs> I left for my two-year mission on March 25th, 1987. I was depressed, though, like for forever. I remember being on other dates, and I was just sitting there thinking, I so wish this was Tom. I so wish this was Tom. It took me some time to, you know, get life going again. But you were, you were for me, the example of what, how, how a woman should be treated. Even though Jenny and I have stayed in touch over the years, I'd never heard that part of the story before this interview and it really blew me away. Jenny and I exchanged letters every week, and she would send amazing care packages with cookies and other treats at least once a month. She was the perfect girlfriend for a Mormon missionary. Things were great for us, but her home life wasn't so great, mainly because her mom and stepdad were really strict. My bedroom was downstairs. If I were, my, I have to, always had to make my bed. That was a rule by my mother. Um, but if I had anything on the floor, like... I took my pajamas off and didn't put them in the drawer. And, and I, I didn't keep a, a, it was very tidy room. I was not allowed to be a, like I'd let my daughter, daughter be. Um, but if he came down and he saw that I had anything on the floor, he took every drawer and dumped all of my clothes out from every drawer in my dresser. So I would walk in and there would just be a pile of clothes that I'd have to fold up and put back in. Well, that's a shitty thing to do, right? I think Jenny's parents missed this really important parenting message from Princess Leia on Star Wars. The more you tighten your grip, Tarkin, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. I didn't want any more rules, you know, from mom. I didn't want to have to be in at one o'clock and if I wasn't get grounded for two weeks. I mean, it's, it's just ri ridiculous type stuff. And my stepdad was very strict, very mean, did some really crazy things weird things as disciplinary. I assume living under a strict stepdad who she already doesn't like would make any teenage girl want to get out. So as soon as she possibly could, after graduating from high school, Jenny enrolled at Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah. My dad's wife worked at BYU, so she was able to get me a job there, which was really good, uh, working at the bookstore. That was like prestigious for an on-campus job. I didn't have to clean toilets through the dorms and stuff. So that was good. For those not familiar, I should let you know that BYU has a pretty well-deserved reputation as a place where a lot of people get married pretty fast. With that as a backdrop, let's keep the story moving. Work to the bookstore in the gift department. That's where people go buy all the little, oh, I need a keychain that has the Y on it and all sorts of things. Um, so I had to go downstairs to the warehouse and fill up my cart, and that's where I met Dale. He was just a stalker down there, and not a stalker. I guess maybe he stalked me. <laughs> and he came up to me while I was loading up the cart and just started talking to me. He was pretty friendly and uh, asked me for my phone number, and fine. And I was like, yeah, he's nice enough, so that's cool. Well, and of course, Dale calls. I mean... Just look at her. We dated. We went to homecoming together. Um, got pretty serious pretty fast. And I had been dating a lot, just like a lot of, not nothing serious, just a lot of dates. It was really fun. See, I should have done that for a little bit longer. 
We got to a point where um, I could tell that we talked marriage. He had met my family for some reason. I hadn't met his yet, and we were going to go up there for Thanksgiving. When Jenny says up there, she means Idaho. Dale was born in a small town up in Idaho. Um, really good family. He had he had a brother and two sisters. He was the oldest. Uh, very hard worker. Moved pipe. You know the whole small town farmland job thing. He was a wrestler. Um, his brother got a brain tumor right before Dale was going on his mission, and they were really close. He was like 18 months, two years younger than Dale. And so they knew that he was going to die while Dale was on his mission. And when it happened, the mission president said he could go home if he wanted. And Dale chose to stay. Wow. Imagine having that kind of faith. Dale was really dedicated to his mission. So that's him. Yeah. That's Dale. And Jenny knew what Dale wanted in a wife. I could tell what kind of person he was, meaning he, he's, he wants a woman that's just like solid, you know, straight. There's, you don't have to question. She's just going to be just good in the gospel and everything. Yeah, that was a bit of a problem. I had had sex before I got married while I was a teenager. And that's big, huge, you know, no. And you go and you confess to your bishop and take care of it and everything. And that had been done. I had done that and it'd been quite a bit of time. What to do? But I felt just based on our religion that I should tell him that. Remember, this is a huge deal in their religion. So before they went to Idaho to meet Dale's family, knowing Dale's faith and his straight arrow life, Jenny decides to tell him about her past and hope for the best. I remember sitting in his car in the front seat and I told him and he said to me, this was like great for me. He said, well, I believe in the atonement. So if you've been forgiven, then I, I believe in it too. And I was just like, oh my gosh, he's not freaking out. Oh, yay. I, I just, I was so happy when I got back to my room. I was like, oh my heck, that was so good. Whew. That could have been so much worse, right? I'm so glad he didn't hold it against her. Well, hold that thought. So with her confession out of the way, Dale and Jenny drove up to Idaho for Thanksgiving, where Dale had a surprise plan for Jenny. When we went up there, he stopped in front of his house, and he, had, he was really talented, like with music and stuff, and he had written a song for me. And in it, it says it said something like, "Will you spend your life with me?" It's really good. Like he did, he played the harmony part, and they taped over and did he did the main part and then the harmony. So it was it was really pretty creative. It was nice. So he asked me to marry him. Didn't have a ring or anything like that at that point. So met his family and that we were all engaged before we walked in the house. That was Thanksgiving. So exciting, right? All the secrets are out. The young couple is starting fresh. Everyone is so happy. Oh, and in case you've forgotten about me, I had no idea any of this was happening. I was busy riding my bike around Orange County in dress pants, a white shirt, and a name tag. We started to plan our wedding, tried to find a date to get married. This is where the maybe I should just wait came in. The semester ended in April, and so we were thinking to wait till April. But as is, happens a lot in, our, in my church, 
since you can't be intimate with each other, that becomes, and you're, you're in love, you're in first love, that becomes something that's very difficult to not do. And then if you get to do that, then you can't get married in the temple. And so we decided to move it up to, I think it was, I think it was President's Day weekend, so we had an extra day somewhere in there, and then we were just going to take a week off of school. At some point around the end of 1988, Jenny wrote to let me know she was getting married. I admit I was a bit shocked since she'd been sending letters and care packages right up until that very moment. But I was genuinely happy for her, and this should have been the happiest time of her life, too. I would just say that I wasn't as good as him. That's how it started out from day one that I felt less than him, mostly because of my mistakes in the past that I told him about and that he was so wonderful that he would forgive me of that. But he was so wonderful. He'd forgiven her for whatever supposed mistakes she'd made. Why did she feel less than him? Well, we went dancing and he got really mad at me because I was singing that I want your sex song by George Michael and he got really mad at me to tell me he didn't want that word coming out of my mouth. I'm like, oh, to make it for a good honeymoon night. <laughs> what the hell? All I can say is I know I'd react very differently if my fiancé was singing that to me. In addition to scolding her for saying S-E-X, Dale showed Jenny that he was a tightwad with money. He's very, 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 very tight with money, which at the time made sense to me because you're a college student, but maybe a little over. We, we were looking for an apartment. It was bad. I mean, I didn't live high on the hog. I was living in the dorms, so I didn't expect too much, but he's taken me to, to these places that are in the basement and the pipes are running all over the ceiling and it's got shag carpet with holes in it. And I'm like, we're going to have to kind of upgrade. Your $150 a month might need to be upgraded to $250. <laughs> If you've listened to the show at all, you know I won't hold back on my opinions of Dale, or anyone else in this story, including Jenny. But before we go any further, I made a promise to Jenny that I'd include this disclaimer. I, I do want to have a little disclaimer here because I, I hate to have talk about people of their worst moments. I know that he's, I don't know what he's changed, but he's a different person. He's matured also. So when I tell, tell these things, I don't want it to be that he was just horrible all the time because he wasn't. He was really good in some ways also. Wow. She's a great person. You'll see why I say that as this story unfolds. Anyway, after much searching and compromising, they finally found an acceptable apartment. Well, got married in February and we continued with school. And then you came home. Yep. They got married a couple of months before I got home from my two-year mission. Jenny told me during the interview that she'd considered waiting until after I'd come back just to see if there was anything between us, but ultimately she decided it was best to move forward and marry Dale. Not too long after they'd married, Jenny was ready for what she thought should be next. I was really anxious to have a kid. Jenny? You're what, 20? Slow it down a bit. I mean, what could possibly possess a young, pretty, and educated woman to want to have a full-on family so quickly? First of all, I wasn't an adult, so I don't think I had really formed a lot of opinions and, and thoughts about life in general. And I, I went into the marriage feeling like I was not as good a person as Dale was, and that was made clear very much from the start. Oh, that makes some sense. But what else was going on? 
there was two years of flat out, and I will, I will say flat out emotional abuse. Our first two years of marriage were him on my case about what I had done prior, the sex that I'd had prior to our, our marriage. Really, Dale? How long are you going to lord that over her? It was high school. I wasn't supposed to spend hardly any money. I came home with a magazine from the grocery store, and I thought I was going to get my head ripped off. We couldn't watch R-rated movies. I mean, he basically played a parental role, and I just slid right into it because I, I thought I always thought he was better than me. It just and being young, yeah, I, I was messed up. I had I had had sex, so I, I'm you know stained, <laughs> for lack of a better word. But he was cruel. Dale is destroying Jenny, and he doesn't even like the word sex. Do you think the act was banned as well? Nope. The first two years of our marriage, we had it every single day. And everyone I tell people that, they don't believe me. But it is the honest truth. I didn't know any different, and that's that's just what would happen every time before you went, we went to bed. If it didn't happen prior to that, because sometimes it'd be more than once, um, it was always, we'd get in bed, and boom. Of course, he's pretty quick, so it didn't take too long. Sounds like Dale is getting whatever he wants, whenever he wants it. But Jenny certainly isn't getting much out of it. But it's even worse than that. If I were to say, should we try this or should we try that? That got shut down, like, immediately. Because he would say, oh, did you do that with... And the guy's name that I had sex with. So, even if there was something I did want... I was so uncomfortable saying anything. So our sex life was whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. So in addition to unsatisfying sex, I mean, S-E-X, Jenny is unable to suggest anything to improve things because of her past, quote, mistake that she made in high school, Dale. That's a recipe for disaster if I've ever seen one. So it's after these two years of mental and, let's face it, sexual abuse that Jenny announces that she wants to start this family. It's pretty clear to me that having a baby was her way of just trying to escape reality, just like she did to escape her overbearing parents. So what did Dale think about it? He told me that I, I needed to find out what my major was going to be beforehand so that we could have some idea to what timing to ha try to have the kids. So I picked out the one that could go, could go the quickest. And I'm like, okay, I found it. Like this like two days later after he told me. Like, I found what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this. And I showed it to him in the manual thing. And, 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 and I'm like, so can we start trying now for a baby? <laughs> so I, and he was like, well, I told you that we could if you found your major. So I guess, yeah. So we had our first kid about two years into our marriage. Well, Jenny ultimately got what she wanted. But am I the only one sensing a pattern? Obviously, Jenny sees Dale as the authority figure, and Dale sees Jenny as someone he can control. From the very beginning, Dale's plan was to become a physical therapist. So as they both were finishing their degrees, he applied to a program close to his hometown in Idaho. He, he applied, he got in, so that was really cool. We moved up there. I was pregnant with my second kid when we moved there. I finished my school, gave birth, and he was in his school. And... He was also washing windows on the side, and it, you know, it's a full-time school program. So he would go to school, have to study. They had clinics and all sorts of things, and then he was washing windows, and it was, like, super stressful for him. 
So he got like two C's and you're not allowed to get two C's in that program. If you get two C's, you're out. So they kicked him out. Oh crap, that really does suck. But there's always next year, right? And so we stayed for a whole year and he goes to reapply and they basically had told him, he thought he had it in, kind of like, okay, I've done my time. You know, you guys all know I'm coming and he didn't get back in. They said, the kit, the people that are coming in are so much better than you are. They didn't say it that way, but I mean, you know, their grades and whatever, they, they, they couldn't leave open. They had to put some in that. So we, we were pretty like, okay, now what are we gonna do? That had been the plan since day one. And that's when he came up with chiropractic school. And we started looking for that and how, how to get in and where to go. And, and yeah, so we moved to Oregon to go to school there, four years for him there. We had, we had two more kids, our last two kids there. Great rebound on the school disappointment, not gonna lie. Jenny and Dale have four very small children, so Jenny is busy as a stay-at-home mom this entire time. But Dale made her feel like shit about that, too. If I fed the kids something that he didn't want me to feed them, um, I was a bad mother. I can't believe this guy. Dale is so straight arrow, so unforgiving, and just downright abusive. And Jenny almost reaches the end of her rope. I was told that I wasn't good enough so many times that I actually believed that to my very core. And I know people say that, but I remember believing it. I remember thinking um, that I wanted to die because my kids de deserve to have somebody better than me raise them. And I, I felt I wasn't, I wasn't saying that for sympathy or anything like that. It was an actual, like, I need to leave. I need to, I need to kill myself so that I have an opportunity to have somebody better than me raise them. That is beyond scary. That's tragic. I'm so glad my friend didn't follow through. And what makes this so hard for me is that it was at this point of the story that Dale had graduated from chiropractor school, so Jenny and Dale were living in Utah for a short time. My ex-wife and I invited them to join our group of friends, and we all went out for dinner every few weeks. But we had a great time together. In fact, one Saturday, the four of us took our kids to the zoo in Salt Lake City. I have a bad back, and I'd recently re-injured it, so Dale brought an extra thick blanket, and every hour or so, we'd stop at a table somewhere, and he'd give me an adjustment. After they moved back up to Idaho, we took our kids up to visit, and we all went camping together. I mean, we were friends. And I had no idea there was anything wrong. And that literally makes me sick to my stomach, knowing that all this was happening right in front of me. He seemed like such a wonderful person that just loved his wife and kids. Then Jenny told me about the chink in his perfect armor, and it's a doozy. You know, according to Benjamin Franklin, nothing is certain but death and taxes. Well, if he saw the divorce rate in our country, he'd probably add that to the list too. But speaking of taxes, I'm old enough to remember life before you could do your taxes online. We had two options way back then, do it yourself or hire an accountant. Now, most of us didn't really need an accountant, but we weren't comfortable doing our own taxes, so we hired an accountant. What a waste. The sad thing is that until now, divorce had those exact same options. You could do your own divorce, or you could hire an attorney. Most divorcing couples don't really need an attorney, but they're not comfortable doing their own divorce, 
so they end up hiring attorneys. What a waste. But that's all in the past. OurDivorce.com has brought the divorce process out of the dark ages and into the light. Just go to OurDivorce.com and click on Get Started. It costs you nothing unless the process works for you. And even then, it's only $299. So you really have nothing to lose. But if you think an attorney is the best option, get up out of your Barca lounger, pause Matlock on your VCR, get that sweet flip phone out of your fanny pack, and give them a call. I suggest you check your bank balance first, though, because it's going to cost you. Either way, I hope you're enjoying the show. Welcome back. Sorry for the cliffhanger. Well, not really. At this point, Dale has spent years belittling and controlling his wife's thoughts and actions to the point that she's actually considered suicide. But he wasn't as perfect as we've been led to believe. I guess, well, what happened was I was cleaning the bathroom and I saw this Victoria's Secret magazine behind the toilet and I pulled it out and I'm looking at it. And this is back before I would ever even wear anything like that. So I'm going, hmm. And then I looked at the name on it and it's like some, some other lady's name. And I'm thinking, that's weird. So when he came home, I asked him, I can't believe I had the guts to do it because that would typically be something I just let slide. But I was too curious and too, and I was pregnant at the time. So I, I wasn't looking good like those ladies. And so I asked him, I says, why do you have this? I, I think I was maybe helping him saying, well, I'm going to get you a gift or something. But no, it was, well, I like to look at the pretty ladies. Right. <laughs> he just likes to look. I'm sure nothing else is happening while he looks. <laughs> Either way, Jenny's struggling to make sense of it all. Like he gets pr plenty of the word I'm not supposed to say. And so I didn't. <laughs> so I didn't think that that should be an issue. Remember, she's pregnant when she finds this magazine. It was like burned in my brain because I didn't feel pretty. And I'm like, my husband's looking at this. That was a huge part of my, uh, my depression and being sad also was he continued to do it. So that continued to make me feel like I was not pretty enough. I felt like I was never, ever, ever, ever going to be, I'm not going to be like the things that he's looking at. There's just no way. There wasn't a way. I'm not, I'm not the same body, but that was hard for me. After she confronted him about the Victoria's Secret catalog, he confessed to having a porn stash that he carried around in his day planner. But where did he get it? Remember, this was pre-internet porn. So, remember that window washing gig? But, so anyway, he's, he's washing windows and um, he would still, like he, in a teenage boys room, sometimes they'd have a bunch of naked pictures on their wall, on their end. So when he would go to wash windows and he would go to one of those rooms, he'd just kind of take one of them off, maybe they wouldn't notice. So he got his little porn stash without having to go buy a magazine. So he's stealing porn. Now that's what I'd call ill-gotten booty. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Anyway, Dale admitted to Jenny that he'd been addicted to porn since his teen years. I think it's important to point something out here. I know a lot of people don't believe porn is wrong in any way, and that's okay. But in the Mormon faith, Dale's faith, any form of pornography is a sin. 
And so is masturbation. So let's just say that Dale's hypocrisy runs deep. Later, after she was done having children, Jenny asked Dale if she could have a breast augmentation done. He agreed, but with the caveat that she had to lose 15 pounds first. Yeah, seriously, that's true. She lost the weight, she got the boobs. She looked amazing and was feeling more confident, finally. But Dale still liked porn. Some point in time, I'd caught him so many times, I just said, do you want to take naked pictures of me and then you can just use those? Oh, and by then, I had lost 15 pounds and he gave me a boob job. So I actually, my body looked pretty good. So, you know, he could take pictures of me and he'd put me in positions and blah, blah, blah. Why does that feel so dirty to me? I spent the most of my life saying this was a consequence of the mistake that I made. Anything that was wrong in the marriage, it, that would be in my head. Well, this is what happens. They, that's, they tell you, you have to take the consequences. You can see how religion can really mess a marriage up, right? That's just horrible. I just really didn't care anymore, but I knew I wasn't going to get divorced. I just needed to hang in there because I never wanted to get divorced. I didn't want to put my kids through it. But what basically happened was I just shut down. I went about being a wife and a mother and having sex when he wanted it. But emotionally, I was a mess, just a mess. I had huge depression issues. Should have been having counseling for that. So I shut down emotionally. And he was, he, he was a communicator, liked to talk. And I was a, just tell me what I need to do. I'll put it on my list. Never thought that I had, didn't feel like I could tell him something. He, he would ask me, he'd say, well, what do you need me to change? And I'd be like, no, it's good. You're good. You're good. So that's my fault right there. I can just feel the hopelessness and it hurts me to my core that I wasn't there to help her. And what sucks, it's about to get worse. So strap in. Dale was very jealous, and after I got my nice rack, um, he was even more jealous. Like he'd say that people were looking at me, and and there was there's just a lot of little things that went with that. But very very jealous. One of the things that I started to do for me to you know have have a good life was I learned how to play tennis. I had some friends in the neighborhood. We went to tennis lessons, and then one of the girls was going to uh, class at the gym. And he loves fitness. I mean, he's always, he, that's, that's his deal and still is. Um, so I started to go to the gym with her and take this class. And it was a class you'd walk in and go to the back room and you do it. But you walk in and here's where all the weights and stuff are. So you're walking past everybody lifting weights and then you go to your own separate room. And he didn't like that because when I would go to the gym, I would wear clothing that people wear to the gym that was a little tighter, you know, and he really didn't like that, but I wasn't going to give it up. I have not done anything wrong. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm going to the gym. And he just thought that guys were hitting on me or whatever else. Well, shame on Dale for being jealous, but let's face it. In light of the other shit he's pulled so far in our story, jealousy is relatively harmless. At least Jenny might feel wanted for a change. So here we have a beautiful woman who's finally figuring out that she doesn't have to take any more shit. She's also realizing that there's a whole world out there that she never got a chance to experience because she got married so young. And one day, she's leaving the gym when Chris, a guy she'd seen around, stops her and says hello. Oh, crap. We obviously were friends first, and I, I only saw him at the gym, 
and I could only go to the gym one, once a week. That was my allowance. <laughs> yep. She said allowance. And yep. She said friends first. I think we all know where this is going. We would, we talk, you know, and he was just so open and nice. And I would tell him about things and he was just so, nothing bothered him. Like I told him some of the things I'd done in my past and he's like, whatever. I'm like, he has like total unconditional love. Imagine spending so many years being made to feel shitty about something you did in high school, Dale, and then meeting someone who helps you understand that it's really not that big of a deal. It's a whole new world for Jenny. We'd been divorced for about two years when I met him. And we just kind of were friends and then... Well, Chris and Jenny quickly became more than friends. No surprise there. And Dale found out about their, quote, friendship because of caller ID on the home phone and confronted her. And he asked me, have you kissed him? I said, yes. Have you hugged him? Yes. Have you had sex? No. And he's like, well, I want you to go break up with them right now. That actually seems reasonable. If you want to be married, you have to break up with your boyfriend. In fact, I remember having that exact conversation twice with my now ex-wife. But like me, Dale didn't understand that ending a sexual affair is much easier than ending an emotional affair. Chris and I decided no more conversing, no more emails, no more anything. Well, let's see where this goes. And that lasted about two days maybe yep figured this is a horrible situation that's about to get much worse chris and i aren't seeing each other but we're still continuing to talk and uh it was thanksgiving we went down to my mom's house and while we were there <laughs> i was downstairs in the bedroom and i called chris to say happy thanksgiving and uh, Dale came down while I was on the phone. And I'm like, okay, got to get off. And of course, then that's the perfect, he's going to know right there. That's who I was talking to. He's like, were you talking to him? I'm like, yeah. And he just took me, threw me on the bed, which was fine. It's a bed. And then he picked me up and he just chucked me to the floor. And I, hit, I hit my jaw. Oh, and prior to that, he just stomped on my foot, like hard, hard. And so I went to the floor and I'm looking up and there's my four-year-old son standing there watching it happen. Great. Dale has now escalated from mental and emotional abuse to physical abuse. Don't get me wrong. Jenny is 100% responsible for her actions and her affair is 100% her fault. But that does not give Dale a reason to harm her. Period. He is 100% responsible for his actions and the abuse is 100% his fault. But do you want to take bets on whether or not his abuse had the desired effect? It kept going and, and going, and, and Dale could see that I was definitely out the door, which I had been already. But when I was being exposed to a different type of a relationship, I thought that he was just the best thing. And we ended up doing the deed. Yeah, Dale figured out pretty quickly that it hadn't ended and demanded that they not only end the relationship, but that Jenny work out her repentance with church leaders. She did both. And that lasted about one week. Yep. Figured. We were trying to not go be together, but it was too hard. It was too hard for me because it, it was such a different relationship. And I thought, well, if I were to just leave Chris and stay, I know how it feels to be treated in a different way. And I don't know that I could gain that back with Dale. I can only imagine. 
But Dale wasn't ready to give up. I was going shopping to the mall and Chris's house was along the way and I was I'm just going to drive by and see if his truck was there. Maybe I'd go in and say hi. So I'm driving by. Oh, he's mowing the lawn. So I get out to go say hi to him and here comes Dale screeching up in his little car. And I'm like, crap. I wasn't supposed to be seeing Chris at all. You know, but this was a time when we were trying to make things work. So he gets out with a bat and Chris is like, and he's walking up to him and he's like, well, go ahead and do what you're going to do. Now, don't forget, I've met both of these guys. Dale is not a big man. In fact, he's quite small. Chris, on the other hand, quite muscular. I think if some neighbors and ultimately the police hadn't broken it up, Dale would have lost that fight. Now, Jenny had been checked out for years, but meeting Chris was like lighting a fuse leading to a stick of dynamite. It's just a matter of time before that shit explodes. We didn't start them for quite a while because he wanted me to file because I was the one cheating. And this is just a stupid little thing in my head, but it was hard for me because I had told myself I would never get a divorce make my kids go through that. But I, I, I didn't know how to continue living in my marriage either. Dale began divorce proceedings in April 2002, about seven months after Jenny first met Chris. That's where the battles began. Of course it is. That's why we're here. We'll start with money. That was the very first one. I was a stay-at-home mom, and all of a sudden, he's not giving me any money at all. Well, I'm the one that pays the bills, too. So I had to get my attorney, I had to get an attorney. My mom helped me with the retainer fee, otherwise I wouldn't have been able to get one. And just to get him to pay bare minimums. It only takes one to make this harder than it needs to be. And I guess it's gonna be Dale. There was probably a fight of at least three months of just trying to decide on what he needed to pay in the interim of what we were gonna decide. So that was the battle and it went back and forth. I have a stack like this high of <laughs> of stuff. One of the delays was the valuation of his chiropractic business. Other than a heavily mortgaged home and a minivan, the business was the only asset that really needed to be worked out. And it took so long, the courts ended up bifurcating their divorce. We did a bifurcated divorce. So the child support and the child passing around, <laughs> child custody stuff got figured out and it got filed. So officially, you're divorced at that point. They still had to figure out the final disposition of their assets, but the child support and visitation questions were resolved. Our attorneys had to communicate so many times over so many stupid things. It, it was just a nightmare. I, I could not wait to have it done. It got to that point. I gave up, I gave in on a lot of things just because I, he, he wore me out. I just wanted to be done. Jenny gave up, but she laughed as she remembered how they divided some of the smaller items. He had a list that said something like, I want one cake pan, I want the, the Cutco knife, I want... I mean, he had a list of things like he, what he wanted out of each room in the house. And, I'm, and I was reading it, I'm just laughing my butt off, because it's like, I want, I want one of those pots from our wedding. And, you know, like he's setting up shop. I, I didn't know what he was going to do. He was living at his parents at the time. So when it was finally over, both Jenny and Dale had paid their attorneys to guide them through the process. Okay, so how much? Well, I know for sure the retainer, 5000 and then I think by the time we were done with the battling, it was probably another four or five, so maybe ten on my half. 
And then I w I'm not sure on Dale's. Um, he ended up paying for, they did like a forensic thing for his business to try to find out how much it was worth to try to give me some of it. And that was about $2,000 just to do that. So whatever he had on his side, and then he had to take care of that. So probably, you know, 15, 20, all said and done. I paid on my bill. <laughs> for nothing. And really to get nothing either. <laughs> 20,000 bucks to get nothing. What a waste of time, money, and emotions. And this was not a very civil divorce at all. He did not like the kids being around me. When he'd see me, he would just be disgusted with me because I might have my bikini on or something. Whatever it is, he did not like me. Whatever, Dale. Why don't you go steal some porn and leave her wardrobe out of this? Remember, this is Dale's hometown. And it's a small town. There was a buttload of stuff being said about me. And I was basically the whore of this little town. That's kind of what it turns into. Dale was so bitter, he made a rule that he never wanted to see Jenny again. Yeah, right. That's going to happen with four kids. I was going to pick up the kids at his office, and he did not like me, did not want to see me ever. That was the instructions. I never want to see you. I'm like, well, that's going to be a little bit hard because we have four children together. Anyway, he had taken the kids when he wasn't supposed to, and so I was just going to pick them up. And he came walking out his... And I can tell, you could tell in his eyes when it was going to be bad. And he comes walking out of his office and he just takes me by the shoulders and just shoves me. And I go flying over, I fell down the curb and into the parking lot. Scraped up my arms and whatever. Well, there just happened to be somebody walking down the sidewalk. And so he goes, and then, then uh, Dale ran back in and locked the door to the office. And the kid goes, you don't let him do that to you. And this kid comes up and he starts pounding on the door. And he's like, I'm calling 911. So he called 911. And Dale got a domestic battery charge. Damn, Dale. You just don't know when to quit, do you? All right. Fast forward 10 years. Jenny and Dale have both grown up. He spent a lot of time getting mature as far as relationships. He went to classes and read books and stuff. And he sat all of my kids down at one point in time and told them his mistakes. Good for Dale. I'm glad to hear it. In fact, Dale's new wife and Jenny have become close friends. And according to Jenny, his new wife says he's a totally different person than the monster Jenny describes. Now, Jenny and Chris will be celebrating their 20th wedding anniversary this year. I was fortunate enough to spend an afternoon with the two of them last year when I was passing through their little town on a weekend motorcycle trip. I'm so glad the story has a happy ending. It could have gone either way. I asked Jenny what she's learned after looking back on her life, her two marriages, and the choices she's made. She doesn't hold back. I suggest you all take notes. My first thing would be, obviously, don't get married young. Um, I only knew Dale for five months before we got married. That's just not enough time. It's not enough time. That's when you're still trying to have your best foot forward when you're dating. You, you just can't. You can't. Don't get married too young. Check. And you need to be your own self before you get married. So, obviously. Um, right from the get-go, set boundaries of what you'll put up with. It's like the Dr. Phil quote. He says, you teach people how to treat you. Set boundaries. Exactly. 
in your marriage, if you can see things starting to go off the edge, it's best to try to catch it there and see if it can be saved. Uh, because a lot of times, like with me, there was there was no coming back. But maybe if it had been five years earlier or something, when I could start to see that I was shutting down, that if I would have said that to him, maybe we would have gotten some help. So just try to be aware of that. Yeah, do it right from the beginning. Because if you don't, you're never going to get, you don't get that chance back. You, you allow it to go on for so long and then that's just expected. Nip problems in the bud before they get out of hand? That sounds like great advice. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to go back in time and start over, but only if you could take the wisdom we learned earlier and take it with us? I got to be honest. I both loved and hated this story. I'm truly grateful for Jenny's friendship of more than 30 years. I'm so glad she survived the abuse and has come out stronger for it. And I'm beyond grateful that she was willing to share her story with us today. I hope you've enjoyed her story and have learned something from it. So please take two seconds to give us a five-star rating on whatever app you're using right now so more people will learn about the show. And like I said before, if you'd like to share your crazy story on My Crazy Divorce, go to MyCrazyDivorce.com and click on the Apply to Be a Guest button at the bottom of the page. I'd love to hear from you. That's our show for this week. See you next time, guys.